As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Well, thanks for listening to the LCR Media Podcast, where we get to know the pros. I'm your host, LCR Naylor Taliaferro, and on today's IBG episode, let's talk aeration season. First off, um, well, so there's two main points and or uh, topics, I guess you'll say, that I want to talk about for aeration and seeding. It kind of goes hand in hand, so we'll just say that. Uh, but first off, let me start by saying, one, um, how I got into it and why. Um, so let's start there. <clears throat> Enough ums. <laughs> it's been a little while. It seems since I've done an IBG episode, I was on a on a on a binge there for a little while, but I finally started getting some guest episodes in here. So that's a fun time. So we got to get back into the old IBG frame of mind here, mindset. So <clears throat> on to aeration and seating. So I am in central Virginia. So the state of Virginia in itself, in and of itself, is the natural soil, if that's what you want to call it, is clay, which is like there's no nutrients whatsoever in clay. It's not, I mean, technically it's a soil, but it's not like it's you know, good soil by any means. It's, it's, it's almost like rock. Like this time of year when it's hot and dry, it's literally, it's, it's, it's so compact. It's like a rock. Like it's just so hard and not penetrable. Uh, so any kind of living thing, any plants, grass, anything like that, you really, like if you're planting plants in a garden or in a mulch bed or wherever, you, you really got to uh, dig up a good amount of that clay and mix, you know, a bunch of, good soil uh, with, you know, potting soil, whatever, gardening soil, depending on whatever you're planting in with that clay uh, in order for the roots of whatever that living thing is to thrive because there's just no real nutrients in clay. Now, in the spring and fall, when it rains a ton and the temperatures are cooler, the clay does start to, you know, it turns into like putty. It starts to get real soft and squishy and, and more like muddy. And, uh, you know, it does absorb some nutrients that way and plants do okay. But that's, you know, that's just a, a small portion of the year. So the, the, the state of Virginia actually recommends at least aerating, not necessarily seeding. That's kind of like an add-on. Um, we'll get to that in a second. But at least aerating every year in the fall typically you can do it in the spring or the fall 
either one is the growing season for grass, so you want to be you want to aerate during the growth season, so this way the grass can repair itself and the roots can uh, thrive and so on. So, um, that helps break up the compaction. So if you do that once a year, every year, the state of Virginia recommends at least to break up the comp- the compaction of the clay soil to allow the turf grass to thrive and spread out, you know, and, 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 and get all the nutrients and get stronger and healthier every year. Cause it just, it's such a compact type of soil. Like I said, the natural clay, the further North you go, like I'm originally from the state of New York and I, we lived in Pennsylvania for a short time, um, which is a little bit further North, uh, ish North West, whatever of New York. <clears throat> and the soil is just great. You know, it's like, it's just like nice, dark black, you know, soil, dirt, whatever, you know, those of you that are up north, you know, know the deal, but I, I never was really into lawn care or anything when when I lived up there. Several years before we moved down here, I started to kind of get my green thumb and get into lawn care just from a homeowner perspective, and I I kind of I barely knew even what aerating even was because it wasn't as as big of a thing up there. Is more of just like a luxury add-on service for people that just really wanted to go above and beyond for their lawn. Uh, but it wasn't it wasn't like as much of a, a commodity, like a, a, re- a regular recommended service that, like it is down here in Virginia. But I knew a little bit about it, I guess, up there just from a, a lot of research, a lot of reading and just whatever homeowner stuff I was doing at that time just to try and make my current lawn at the time as good as possible. Uh, and that's kind of what obviously started the wheels turning. For those of you that know my whole story from the past, um, from past episodes, things like that, and YouTube content, I, you know, I that's kind of where I got my green thumb, and that obviously lead led into me starting my own lawn care business, which I still have to this day, and that was eight years ago. Um, but I, it was I've been down here in Virginia probably 15 years, so I was still in retail management when we moved down here for many years before I got into lawn care, but. I, as a business, but I always was familiar with, with, with that before when I moved down here and, and, and was kind of really thinking about and itching to get into that whole thing. But so I, I didn't really know a whole lot about aerating when I was up there is my point. It wasn't as big <clears throat> and all that. So when I came down here, that's when I realized it was a big deal. And, um, but first I'm getting ahead of myself again. I wanted to also say, for those of you, maybe you don't even know what aeration really is. Uh, one of my new employees, he's like, you know, he's he's experienced a lot, knows a lot, worked for different companies, but out west, he's from Washington State, and that just wasn't a thing over there, I guess, aeration, uh, or just not the companies that he worked for. So he knows all about lawn care, you know, lawn mowing, landscaping, all the landscaping services like pruning, he's really good at, and you know, mowing, obviously, just everything, mowing, trimming, edging, all that kind of stuff. And he did work for an irrigation company. He's done all kinds of stuff, but just never aeration for whatever reason. Uh, like I said, I, I'm guessing because it just wasn't that big of a deal over there. So he was asking me about it, you know. So not not I, I kind of take it for granted. Maybe we all might take for granted what what isn't isn't common knowledge when we're absorbed into all this every day uh, when this is our life. But for those of you that don't know, aeration is i mean it's it's in it's in the name right it's aerating the soil it's getting air and uh nutrients you know like fertilizer and just natural organic uh nutrients from the environment um as well as rain and sun and everything just gets down into the deeper into the soil better to help 
get to the grassroots as well as help the grassroots spread out, gives them some space to spread out. And there's multiple different types of aeration, but the most common one, the most popular one, and the one that I do and the one that I'm going to be talking, that I'm referring to in this episode is core aeration. So you have uh, hollow tines, whether you have, you know, the manual ones that you just step on and, you know, it pushes into the ground and um, a, a, a cylinder of soil basically gets pushed out uh, of the other end because it's hollow or you have a machine that just rolls and it does it every time it goes, you know, it put punctures into the ground, pushes the core out and then you do it over and over and over again. It just keeps rolling around the yard, whether that's a walk behind machine or ride on machine, you know, uh, an attachment on the front of your, of a machine or back on the machine or all of the above. All those things, there's all core aeration, all core air aerators for that. And what that does is, like I said, it pulls the cores out or plugs is another term. Um, it pulls the, the soil cores out of the soil and just leaves it all over the top of the soil, which eventually will break back down into the ground and, and add the nutrients, you know, add whatever nutrients might be still in the soil back in there. But ultimately it's removing that soil all over the lawn out of it to give that actual space for the root grass roots to spread out and for the, the soil itself to kind of spread out and not be as compact, right? It's all about breaking up the compaction. And if you do it in the fall, which is, is recommended for seeding here in, in Virginia, uh, because the recommended turf grass type here in the state of Virginia is tall fescue, cool season grasses. So you want to plant that in the fall when it's cooler and you have longer time before you go to the summer because you have fall, winter before you get to summer, uh, fall, winter, spring, and then summer. So you've got three seasons, you know, not much going on in the winter, but you got two big seasons, two growth seasons. If you plant the seed or any plants in the fall, you got a nice little establishing period, um, you know, in the fall, uh, to, for, for the grass seed to germinate and grow or plants to take root and grow. And then they kind of go dormant a little bit over the winter, depending on how harsh our winters are here. They're not usually too terrible. We get a little bit of snow here and there, but it's nothing too crazy. Um, nothing really dies or, or anything like that. It just goes dormant. And then the spring p pops off and it's right back to growing again. And the grass is thriving and growing like crazy. So it gets a, has more time to get more mature before it gets to the hot, dry summers, because if you're able, if you were to plant cool season grass seed in the spring here in Central Virginia, um, then it would grow, it would germinate and grow. But then, as soon as you get to the summer, it's still almost baby grass at that point. It's, we'll call it uh, teenager grass, and, and it's just not, you know, or toddler grass, and it's just not strong enough to withstand being out on its own in the sun, right? It it just can't deal with that, and you end up frying your grass, and it's and it's all for nothing. So the recommended time is in the fall to seed. So that's why here for most lawn care companies, for cool season grasses anyway we uh, aerate and seed in the fall. And, and seeding is great when you aerate because you're pulling those plugs, those cores, and you're leaving all those holes everywhere. So the seed just goes right into those holes and it's perfect, perfect, um, you know, environment for the grass seed to germinate because it's, it's, you know, it's like, you know, five, six inches deep or three inch up, maybe three inches uh, deep, depending on how compact the soil is or whatever, or how much you want to uh, go with it how far down you want to go with it. But regardless, even three inches, that's, that's 
It's it's shaded in there. It's dark down in there. The temperatures stay cooler. Water stays down in there when it rains or the sprinklers. So it's really prime conditions for the seed to germinate. It doesn't dry dry up as quickly and so on versus the seed that just sits on the top of the surface of soil. You know, that's exposed to all the elements and it's going to dry out quicker. That's why people put like peat moss or different things like that over the top of it to kind of cover it, shade it, keep it, retain the moisture, hopefully keep any birds and stuff from uh, squirrels or whatever from eating all the grass seed. I remember I had geese that kept eating my grass seeds, side note. Man, that was rough. We had got a patio installed a couple years back right after COVID really took hold of the world and we couldn't go anywhere or do anything and all our vacations were canceled or postponed and refunded and all that stuff. So just like everybody else and why our industry, the green industry exploded as well as just about every other service industry because we were like, well, we're home. We might as well do stuff at home. Might as well get that patio installed that we always wanted. Might as well get our deck stained or improve our landscaping or get our lawn up to snuff. Get rid of these weeds and get it nice and green and lush and whatever, you know. Uh, or if you're working from home, you know, you still don't have time to mow your lawn or whatever. So everything just exploded. So me, us, my wife and I in the same boat, like, well, let's take some of our vacation money that, um, you know, we got refunded and let's let's invest into a patio that we've wanted for a while and just um, hadn't been able to save up for it yet. So we got a patio installed and, you know, they do a good job depending on the companies that you use or whatever. There's there's a uh, different levels of of of. Uh, of a good job, I guess, as far as repairing, damaging, and then repairing the grass when they're hauling the materials back and forth by wheelbarrows or skid steers or dingoes or whatever. Um, you know, there's always going to be some sort of trampled on path that the grass takes a beating and then definitely around the patio area gets all dug up and you know they always dig more usually more of an area than they need and get all that and then and then they kind of backfill everything back in and then either put grass seed down or put sod down or in our case um they they were they were able to kind of use grass that they took from other spots because they um those of you that know you know you know, when you get a patio or the different hardscaping, things like that, usually there's different pipes or drainage, things that have to be extended, gutters have to be rerouted, things like that. So that that involves like digging a little bit of a channel through the grass um, so that you can fit that, you know, extend the pipe or move the, the this or that over. And then uh, they usually end up or sometimes you end up with some extra grass. So they, they had, you know, different patches of grass here and there. Uh, and, and, and what they, a lot of what they dug up around the patio area that they knew they were going to fill back in, you know, they put the grass back on there. But, you know, some of it died, some of it, some of it bounced back, some of it didn't. And then there's just, you know, little spots and cracks stuff here and there. But anyway, I'm going way off on a rabbit hole, but I put a bunch of, I kept putting grass seed down to try and fill those areas in. And it would never germinate because the geese would just come out of nowhere and just come and just eat it all. And, and it, it took so long. It was so annoying. I would put all kinds of different things to cover it, you know, peat moss, um, uh, straw, like from, you know, like, like tacky straw, not like hay or anything that has weeds in it from like, you know, a farm or, or a barn or something, but straw from... Um, like Easy Straw, I think it was called, from Lowe's or Home Depot, you know, in their garden section, and it's like tacky straw. So, like, when it gets wet, it's all sticky. So, it keeps it from getting blown around, like traditional straw um, that you would get from a landscape supplier or something, it's just big bays, bales of straw. Those things kind of get blown around a little bit and may still have weeds in them and so on. So, I tried that, and 
Um, I think actually before that, I put like a mat or a mint. No, that might have been the last thing I did. Yeah, but I tried that easy straw, covered it, thought it was good. The geese just shoved their no- their beaks in there and moved all the straw around and just kept eating all the seed. And there were just holes everywhere and uh, of, of uh, you know, within the straw. And all the seed. I was like, oh, my gosh. So eventually I got some sort of mat thing that you put down and, you know, supposed to eventually when the grass grows, it just, you know, you mow it up and it just kind of gets mow, but that didn't really work as great either. Um, and I just had to eventually pull it up and rip up a bunch of grassy at the same time. I was like, oh man, I'm like a home. I'm, I'm like a real homeowner all over again. What's going on? I'm supposed to be a professional lawn care provider. What is this nonsense that I'm doing? It's like brought me back to my roots of all these, you know, contraptions and gizmos and, and, uh, you know, novelty things that all these big box stores and, and little mom and pop true value hardware stores have to, <laughs> fix your lawn or patch this or that or whatever. But anyway, I went kind of way off topic there. My whole point was just saying that I, I, you know, believe it or not, animals do eat the grass seeds. So, you know, you can cover that up with, with uh, whatever, whatever works, whatever you can do. But anyway, aerating and seeding. Wow. That was a good save. I almost completely forgot where I was going with that. But when you air, when you, uh, seed when you're aerating you don't have to worry about that because you got all the holes where the seed goes in there and there's obviously soil in between the holes and the seed just sits there and will potentially germinate depending on the condition so when you seed right after immediately after you aerate it's just prime condition to to fill in all those bare spots and just continue thickening up the lawn that you have with the seed and you have all those extra seasons like i said for it to to go to grow well now, side, uh, uh, not a side note, but a bonus information is um, we are in a transition zone here in central Virginia, meaning, you know, we can grow any grass type, any turf grass type in the state of Virginia uh, or the majority. Maybe I think maybe upper, you know, like super, super north. Maybe they can't. I don't know. But I think the whole state is in the transition zone. I know where I live in central Virginia is in the transition zone. So basically all of central United States is pretty much the transition zone. If you look, you can just Google that stuff and you can see grass types or zone map or whatever. And you see cool season grasses up up top, you know, all the Northern States like New York and all that, like where I'm from. And you have all this warm season grasses, all the Southern States like Texas and Florida and Georgia and all that. And then you have everything in the middle, which is a transition zone. And Virginia's in there, so we can grow anything. But like I said, Virginia recommends tall fescue. But we have plenty of people that plant Bermuda grass, um, zoysia, things like that. Typically, just Bermuda grass. To to us, that's just an annoying weed that takes tries to take over tall fescue lawns, uh, and it's really difficult to get rid of it because it's it's grass. So the only way to get rid of it is to round it up, you know, put glyphosate down or whatever, and. Uh, it kills everything, including the tall fescue. So it's, it's, it's really unfortunate and it grows under, under the ground and all that kind of nonsense, like spreads, you know, very quickly underground. And it's really hard to actually get it all to kill it all. Trust me, I've been there, done that. I've redone, renovated people's lawns and it comes back beautiful with tall fescue. Like I killed the whole Bermuda grass lawn. That was like a mix of Bermuda grass and tall fescue, but more Bermuda grass because it's super thick and invasive and just, you know, it can, a lot of people plant it around here because it's it's heat resistant, you know, water resistant. They don't have to water the heck out of their lawn all summer long, and their and their lawn looks green. It's like a, a light green, but it's green. They don't have to worry about. It. They don't have to cut it as mow it as much. It stays low to the ground, all that stuff. But it, it just it's it's more like for 
for like soccer fields and athletic fields and things like that. It's really not the prettiest looking of grass up here. Now, I know the further south, south you go, that, that's all they have. They can't, Talafest, you won't survive, you know, the, the further south you go because it's just too hot all the time for tall fescue. It's a cool season grass. So, um, but so people do, you know, try to plant, actually plant Bermuda grass and have Bermuda grass lawns and they're brown and disgusting in the, in the winter, which is how it is, you know, down, uh, down south. I know in, in Georgia, uh, Paul Jameson from the Green Issue podcast mentions that often about how, how gross it looks, um, you know, in the winter because everything's just dormant and brown. Looks like it's all dead, you know? Well, that that's how it is up here. There's actually like a, a homeowner association, a big subdivision, a big development um, in, in my area that all of their common areas is Bermuda grass. So all winter long, it's just brown and nasty looking. Um, and just right now is the only time all summer that's green and, and, and looks good. But so you can grow anything. So if you're if you're if you have warm season grasses, then you can do spring aeration and seeding. And I have a lot of people contact me. Not a lot, but I have enough people more than just one random person here and there contact me in the spring to do that. And I just never got into spring aeration because there's too many other things on my plate in the spring. Right. It's like it's, it's a spring rush and I'm I'm super busy slammed with, you know, getting the mowing routes uh, started back up again. You know, with spring cleanups, finishing up mulch, maybe even some pruning for new customers, things like that. I'm putting down pre-emergent, you know, I just, it's, it's like everything, like every service that I can offer uh, aside from, you know, leaf cleanup obviously is in the fall and aeration and seeding I do in the fall. But, you know, every every other service that I offer, I do in the spring. So I really don't want to, I don't have time or, or the bandwidth right now or the people to add that, you know, on my plate in the spring. But that is, that's a potential opportunity because there are, like I said, folks that have Bermuda grass that can, that can do that, uh, that they want that done in the spring. But typically it's all in the fall because like I said, for the hundredth time now, right, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's recommended to have tall fescue and to aerate and seed in the fall. So that's what we do here. So that's what aeration is, why, how it benefits the lawn, and all that. Probably a lot more, all that in a bag of chips, right? More, more than you wanted. Uh, more than one serving there I gave you. So, but anyway, that's 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 how I roll. Coming back on my IBG episodes here. Um, with that, the next thing is so the one, the first of my two major points is why did I uh, get into why. I think why and, and why and how, yeah. Why and how did I get into aeration and seeding? Because I didn't really know anything about it. Um, and when I first started, people were asking me about like, you know, what, what uh, do you do aeration and seeding? And I, and I said, no, because I didn't. And I didn't even really know much about it. I didn't have any equipment or whatever. But then I started noticing that they would tell me, that they would find someone else, I guess, to aerate and seed their lawn. They would ask me to mow their lawn shorter than usual because that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to mow your lawn a little bit shorter or a lot shorter. You know, it's a um, controversial topic there. But in my opinion, you know, you don't need to you don't need to scalp your lawn. You just need to mow it, you know, an, an inch or so shorter than you normally would. Get it nice and short without it looking awful and terrible um, so that you can, one, um, have a, more contact with the soil, you know, after you're done aerating this, there's, there's more seed to soil contact, they say. Um, but also, and probably more importantly, to be honest, is that you want to allow the the new grass to grow 
before you trample back on it again with your with you know foot traffic trimming and edging and putting mowers whether it be big commercial mowers or you know walk uh you know a push mower before you start trampling all over the new grass you want to give it some time to grow so usually typically that's two to three weeks because it if you use good high quality grass seed like I do and everyone uh, and the conditions are good which I I try to ensure that they are the best I can because I have pre and post instructions for aeration for all of my clients that sign up for it you know a week out I send them the prep um, instructions, which is just talking about like flagging your sprinklers and, you know, all that kind of stuff, making sure you're watering properly before. So your gr- the ground isn't too wet or too dry, um, so on and so forth. You know, we're not responsible for all the damages, all that kind of stuff. Mow your lawn, you know, an inch or so shorter than you normally would if we're not the ones mowing their lawn, all that kind of stuff. And, and then after we complete aeration, I send the post aeration instructions and that's all about watering. And I tell everyone, this is just another tip, I guess, for those of you that maybe don't know or or might find this helpful. I tell all of my clients that, hey, this is the only time that I will say to do this, and that is to uh, water water your lawn every night, every night for seven days straight. And then once you start uh, for seven days straight and then, you know, switch back to your normal um, sprinkler watering schedule, which it should be early in the morning if everyone's listening to me and doing what I recommend, which not everyone does. As we know, a lot of people just think they know more than the professional service that they hired. So I ain't no chuck in the truck. Like I've been doing this eight years. And before that, I was one of the homeowners just like them that thought I knew everything. So now I really do know everything, right? <laughs> no, but I mean, like, you know, it, it just cracks me up sometimes with these people, but that's just the way it is, right? It's their lawn, it's their baby, whatever. Sometimes it's hard for them to let go. It is what it is. Welcome to Toro Tuesday. This week, I want to talk about the multi-force leaf plow attachment. So this is literally a plow, but it's for leaves. So again, as always, if you want the visuals, go ahead and click the link in the episode description to take you to toro.com and you can uh, take you right to there to the page for the leaf plow and you can check that out uh, and see what it looks like. But basically it looks like a giant snow plow uh, with two wheels on the bottom and kind of like 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 a rake all the way along the bottom, you know, like the, it's all aluminum and it's it. So the, the rake is kind of like, like, um, you know, like tines. It, it, it literally looks like a, a giant rake, which helps you scoop up any debris and leaves uh, for you to push big piles of debris and leaves where the blowers uh, may be, you know, as you know, if, if you've done leaf removal before and as you start blowing, you know, all the leaves out of, the nooks and crannies, mulch beds across the lawn, and you're clearing it all off, eventually you accumulate such a a big enough pile that it's hard for you to move it, even with the most powerful backpack blowers. So it's it's a lot easier uh, for you to get the leaf plow, and then you can just push the piles wherever you need to go, to the curb to suck it up with a leaf vac, or into the woods if there's some natural areas that you're going to. Um, and, and so that, that, that's really beneficial for that. Uh, it does have a lot of like holes, you know, it's kind of almost looks like, like, um, 
like mesh to a certain extent all the way around uh, the whole the whole thing so that it kind of gives you that airflow. Uh, but basically, it's just meant for easily moving wet leaves, debris, just big massive piles of stuff from one place to another without damaging the turf. Because like I said, at the, uh, at the, on the bottom, it's just like a rake. So you're just kind of like combing through the, the, the turf as you're moving along um, the piles of leaves and debris. And it easily attaches to the multi-force, uh, the hitch, attach, hitch receiver. It easily attaches there. You can fold it up so that you can easily store it on trailers and, and so on. Um, and it's, it's heavy duty. You know, I, I misspoke. It's not aluminum. It's, it's steel, galvanized steel. And it's just built to last. And basically, if you think about any leaf removal jobs that you've done in the past, another example uh, where you would normally be tarping large piles of leaves, right? Because you get to that point where you've got these big piles of leaves and debris and you really can't move it anymore with backpack blowers. Like I said, what do you do a lot of times? You you either blow those piles onto a tarp or rake it onto a tarp and then you drag the tarp wherever you got to go. Again, to the curb, to suck it up or up in your trailer or truck bed or into the woods. Either way, you know, that's drag, that's tarping and dragging and it takes longer and more energy. So using a leaf plow eliminates the, the need to do that. You can just push those piles instead. So again, for all the full details and the visuals, since this is all audio, check out the link in the episode description for Toro.com. So, you know, if, if they, if they are listening to me or just already know the deal, they should be watering early in the morning, you know, a few days a week, you know, like back to back type deal, depending on uh, how much rain we are or are not getting, um, you know, they might change that or, or whatever, or if they have like an automatic system that adjusts the water uh, sprinkling schedule, things like that. That's what it should revert to is that you should never water at night because it just keeps your grass wet all night long, which can promote bugs, fungus, and disease. Um, people think, oh, well, it's cooler temperatures and, you know, let's just water it at night. That's great. Yeah. But in theory, that sounds great. But like I said, you know, ultimately you're, it's not best for the health of your grass. You should do it first thing in the morning, right before the sun comes up so that it is still cooler and the, nothing's evaporating from the hot summer sun. This really applies in the summer, right? And then uh, the grass doesn't stay wet for very long because the sun comes up, you know, and dries up the grass blades. But the soil has absorbed all of the, the water from, from earlier that morning before the sun came up. So that, that's, that's what they should be doing and should revert back to. But because you need the conditions to be proper, you need to be to be cool and damp for the grass seed. So for years, I've been telling everyone this in my post instructions and literally you know, we go back a week later, typically, you know, we're, we're in the area or something. And I, and I swing by just to check on, on, on the yard, if it's close by and there, sure enough, you know, only a week later, the grass is already starting to pop through those, those holes and stuff. So it works. I mean, I've done it for my lawn for years and I started recommending it to other people too, because I just want it to be as successful as possible. Because before in the beginning, I didn't give people really any instructions other than, you know, when I learned some of the basics initially, like flag your sprinkler heads and invisible fence wires and anything that, you know, could get damaged with the aerators and things like that, um, you know, those basic things, I would I would send an email out to people, but it wasn't as formal and as professional and as detailed as what I send now. And, you know, I, I 
I just left it up to them to just, you know, people would ask me like, you know, after I was done aerating, like, or even maybe before just, you know, being super proactive, like what, what, you know, what do you do? Like, how, how do you, how do you take care of, you know, uh, the, like, what do we do for the seed now? Like, should, how do we water it? This and that, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So, and I would just kind of like, you know, I guess wing it or figure it out or, you know, I, I learned some stuff as I went along and I would share people, share that with people. But my point is it wasn't like a, it wasn't such a structured plan thing like it is now. And ultimately the, my point is there would be a lot of failure. There'd be a lot of times that it'd be weeks before the seed would even germinate. And in that time frame, what would happen? I would get all these emails from people or phone calls. The grass seed isn't growing. Maybe you should put more seed down and all that. And, you know, and I, me not knowing any better would just go put more seed down and all this stuff. And so ever since I transitioned into telling people what to do and the people that follow what I tell them get results 100% of the time. I use blue tag certified tall fescue grass seed for another thing to make sure I have the highest germination rates like 90% or something, 91%, 92% germination or, or more, something like that. Um, so it's super high germination rate, barely any um See, uh, weed or other crop nonsense that's in there. It's high quality, tall, fe- you know, a couple different uh, types of tall fescue blended in there in the bags uh, that, that I get. And it's just Lesco brand that I get from site one, nothing too special or crazy. It's, but it works year after year. I haven't had any problems. I'm very happy. It's an expensive bag of grass, especially nowadays with everything, just prices getting inflated, you know, year after year. But it works. It does the trick. Customers are happy, and that's all that matters to me. You know that 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 we're 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 making lawns better and healthier, and the and the customers are happy. So that's the, again, that's the goal for me anyway. Uh, so so that that that's a helpful tip there is to make sure you have prep and po- pre and post instructions. You know for. Uh, for for your your clients, I mean, you can you know you can type up an email and just save it as a draft in your email, like Gmail. You know that's that's a, that's a thing. Uh, I don't know what other emails it might be called, or if you can do that. But if you're using Gmail, there's you know you can save any email as a draft, so you can type up the whole thing, save it as a draft. You know, prep aeration, prep instructions, aeration post instruction, post aeration instructions, or whatever. And, and, you know title it, subject it or whatever, save the draft. And then every time aeration season comes up, you just click on the draft, put in the customer's email and just send it to them. If you got a ton, then you can just BCC everybody, blind copy everybody, click on that arrow, the drop down from the two, and then you got CC, which is copy, and then BCC, which is blind copy, which means no one else sees all the other emails. If you just copy, then everyone can see the emails. If you blind copy, then no one. So you can, if a hundred people sign up for aeration or something, you can just put all hundred emails. Holy cow, that would take forever, right? But you put all of them in the BCC and, you know, you send the email out and, and, and they think they're the only ones getting the email. Like it just looks like it just went to them. But I recommend, you know, whether you have 20 or 120, um, definitely if you have 120, I recommend having some sort of, email service like MailChimp, or if you have a CRM, hopefully like service autopilot, for example, that I use, that's already built into the system based on what monthly, what, what, uh, package you have, what plan you have. Um, it's either included or not. Um, and, but, but it's, it's an option to have and where basically you can just click on all the names, you know, you just, you just pull up your client list or, um, you know, if, if you tag, if you add tags to all of the people that, 
you know, our, our aerating, the sign up for aeration, or you put everyone, you know, the way I do it, this is another bonus here. The way I do it now with Service Autopilot is I send an estimate to every single person that asks to sign up. You know, they want to sign up for aeration. They want to quote whatever. Whether they say sign me up or not, like we just did it last year and they don't even care about, I guess, the price or they just assume it's the same price or whatever. And they don't, they don't ask basically for an estimate. I still send them an estimate, especially now, last year and this year, because the prices keep going up every year. Last year, the prices went up like 20 bucks. This year, the price went up like another 20 bucks, I believe. So I want to make sure we're all on the same page. So I have to keep adjusting my um, aeration and seating prices across the board, mainly just the seating part of that uh, across the board. So I want to make sure that everyone's on the, uh, I mean, we're all on the same page and they're not blindsided or surprised when they get the invoice and they're like, what the heck? This is, you know, this is X amount of dollars more. This is 50 bucks, 75 bucks more or whatever than, than, uh, than last year. What's going on with that? You know, blah, blah, blah. Really it's only like 50 bucks more. Cause you know, the, the price goes up 20 bucks, goes up 20 bucks. So I'm not even using a whole bag of C, whatever. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm making out pretty good in that, you know, adding that extra 50, 50 bucks or whatever, typically, um, for the average size lawn. Some it's a little more, some it's a little less, but at any rate, I make sure that everyone has is on the same page and that they click approve so that I have that approval in the system. So there's again, a paper trail, no confusion, hundred percent accountability. Like you clicked approve, for this price and that you wanted this service. So there's no surprises, so on and so on. Um, and then once they approve it, I go ahead and schedule that job. I put it on the wait list, which is another thing, um, all part of service autopilot. I'm sure potentially other CRMs have some versions of this, like a dispatch board or some way to schedule your jobs, reoccurring waiting or whatever. Um, so there's a waiting list. You put jobs on the waiting list. You give the, the time frame you know, like the dates that, that it needs to be completed by, like start and stop time that, that you want it to be completed by. So like in this situation, it'd be like September 1st to October 31st. You know, those are the two prime months that I want to get all the aerations done. I definitely don't want to wait till the end of October and I don't want to start in August either. So that, that's the window. So I would just click on September 1st to October 31st. Boom. You know, it saves all that on the wait list. Um, so then when we get to September, and we want to start, you know, scheduling out our aerations, we can just click on the wait list, sort by, you know, aeration service type, because there's other, you know, might be other services on there uh, for the wait list, like, you know, next round of treatments for the lawn, some pruning jobs, whatever, you know, whatever else is going on. So you just sort it by aeration, and then all your aerations come up. If you got 20 or 50 or 100, they're all right there. And then you can just click, you see how many you have too, in case you're just like, you know, getting busy and just going through and, you know, adding all the, all these approved quotes to the wait list. And then you want to see how many we're really actually up to now, um, for scheduling purposes and to prepare and to know how much seed to get and all that kind of stuff. If you do this far enough advance and you can order the seed in advance, so you don't run out, you know, you don't go and just try and get seed at the last minute and then they're all sold out, blah, blah, blah. These are all hopefully tons of tips and nuggets. I'm just vomiting out here out of my verbally vomiting out as I'm just going through all these steps in my mind. Cause I'm literally just doing, all, I literally just did all this stuff. So it's fresh. And that's why I wanted to make this episode. I've been wanting to make this episode as we were approaching this time of year. Uh, but at any rate, in addition to seeing how many people you have, you can just click on the select all box, which selects all the people. And then you can just click email people, you know, it doesn't say email people, but <laughs> click email, email clients, whatever it says, and you just type up the email or 
insert the document like I have. So just like I recommended, if, if you don't have a CRM, you're just starting out or whatever the deal is, and you're just using Google or, you know, Gmail, all that kind of stuff. And you have a, you know, you, you type up a, an email and you save it as a draft, same concept with service autopilot, but it's called a document. So you can un- upload limitless documents that either you have already saved in your computer. Maybe it's like a word document, you know, or, or you take that saved drafted email and, ter- you know, convert it into a word document or something like that so that you can now upload that to your CRM when you, uh, like service autopilot, if you get that after the fact, um, or you can create the document from scratch. Like I did many documents, um, talking about aeration and seeding, that is, you know, I have the pre-aeration um, tips and post-aeration um, tips, documents, separate documents, all typed up, went through the effort of getting them all looking nice and professional and everything that I want. You know, I can edit them anytime I want. Things change sometimes from time to time. I want to add something or subtract something or whatever. But then, so I just click on email, select all email, and then click on insert document, find my, you know, pre pre or, or post um, aeration document, click on it, it automatically loads it up. You see it, you can scroll through it to make sure, you know, if, if it's like the beginning, if it's like next, you know, this year and you haven't done it yet from last year and you want to make sure, you know, all the verbiage is still good or whatever, and you can scroll down th- through it and look at it and you're good. Just click send. Then it just sends it to all, however many people you have, five or 105, super fast and easy. And then you can look and see who read it, you know, who opened it, all that stuff. So, um, so that's those are some some other bonus tips there for uh, for communicating all this stuff for folks to folks. So doing all that back to my previous point has given me a hundred percent success rate success rate for the people that have followed those pre and post instructions. Um, you know, no damaging property, busting sprinklers, things like that, and and uh, the seed germinates as fast as possible and starts growing. So back to what I was saying, mowing the lawn shorter so that you don't have to mow it for a couple of weeks. It doesn't get super overgrown if you just cut it the normal length, aerate and seed, and then, um, you know, you have to, you come back in two weeks or three weeks and it's like a jungle and you're like, oh man, now you're plowing through grass like crazy, which is not good for the new grass either. Because, you know, if you're not bagging it, which that's a whole nother animal and should be an additional cost. But if it's your fault, then it's like, okay, you know, you're just going to have to eat that now. But, you know, if if you're not bagging that grass that you're cutting that much grass off, now you're just kind of spreading it out all over the lawn and it's kind of potentially smothering all the new baby grass and all that kind of stuff. So you really want to do it right. You want to have full control um, over everything. I I think... Yeah, so all of all of my aerations and seeding are people that I already mow. So I don't have to worry about, you know, um Oh, I'm sorry. I'm losing my train of thought. I was trying trying to think the the problem I have sometimes is people will I have people that I mow and and other services, but for whatever one reason or another, they they don't have me aerate and seed. Maybe they didn't even know. They didn't even ask. Maybe they just had a contract with another like a fertilization and weed control only company, which is fine and understandable and very common in this area in my area. And and they have aeration and seeding as part of their 
you know, package, their yearly contract with them, maybe they already paid for it and so on. So they just come out and aerate and see whenever they feel like it. And a lot of, not whenever they feel like it, you know, like according to their schedule, but a lot of these customers won't communicate that with anybody, with them, with me, whatever. So I'll just show up, you know, we'll show up to cut their lawn like we do every week. It's it's Thursday, time to cut this, this neighborhood. And we show up and a random yard will have, have been aerated, you know, maybe it was just aerated. You can tell they don't see any grass growing. You're like, what the heck, you know, or there's a little bit of grass just starting to grow up and you're like, what in the heck, you know, like, why didn't they communicate this? Because on top of it all, the grass is really long, meaning like you never even cut it shorter for them. So it was already long. Then they area and seeded it and it grew another week. And now you're back trying to mow it. And it's like, it's just a hot mess. So that happens a, a, a small amount of times. And it's really frustrating to be honest, but I'm like, I stopped even like talking to people about it. It's like, it's their, it's their, their, their issue. You know, it's their, they, they made their own bed. Now they have to, they have to lay in it. Like it is what it is. It's not, not my issue. I try to be as careful as possible. Try not to make a huge mess. I don't want to kill the new grass, but it's like, had you just communicated with me, we could have worked this out. But then there are a smaller, a smaller percentage of other people that do communicate. Hey, I'm going to have my lawn area and seated and, Sometimes it hurts my feelings. Sometimes it doesn't. Like, what the heck? Why don't you ask me? But whatever. It is what it is. I I, I get it. Um, but, you know, they'll say I'm getting my lawn area and seated. Can you, you know, mow the lawn a little bit shorter and, um, you know, skip it for a couple of weeks? You know, like as if I don't know the drill. But, you know, they, they don't know. They Obviously, they didn't even ask me if I aerate and seed. So they probably don't think I have a clue, which I didn't when I first started. So circling back to that, um, I was saying that uh, when I first started my business, people were asking me if I aerated and seeded. I said, no, I didn't really know much about it. Um, and they would get someone else to do it. And then I would have to, they would ask me like, I, like I just got done saying to mow their lawn shorter. So that happened a lot more then because I didn't mow, I didn't aerate anyone's yard. So they just got someone else to do it. And they asked me to mow their lawn a little bit shorter and then skip for a couple of weeks. And I'm like, dang, you know, I, I quickly realized like, not only am I doing a little bit of extra work by cutting the lawn shorter, uh, because what I do now, uh, uh, another side tangent, another tip, what I do now, uh, now that I offer aeration and seeding for those clients that I am aerating and seeding and mowing, which is, I think all of them, I think was where I was trying to go before. Uh, I don't know if I have, I'm not sure if I have anyone cause I do have a, a good amount of people that we just treat their yard. And I believe a lot of them we aerate and seed as well because that's all kind of part of the whole package there. And, and they mow their own lawn. So that that's that's a little bit of a different situation. But um, now that, you know, the, the lawns that I, the majority of the aeration and seeding that we do, we also mow those lawns. So it's convenient that we can work the lawn down shorter a couple of weeks prior to aeration. So we're not plowing through a whole lot of extra grass and double cutting or bagging or anything like that you know, the week prior to, uh, to, to aeration, you know, or, you know, a couple of days leading up to it, whatever, however, we, you know, you want to obviously try and get it time to be as close as possible, uh, before you aerate. So the grass doesn't grow very much, uh, before you, uh, by the time before you actually get to aerate and seed it. So we work down, you know, a half an inch to an inch, a couple of weeks prior and just keep working it down so that it's only cutting off a normal amount you know, right before aeration and seeding, but it's a lot shorter where it needs to be. Uh, so that's kind of what, what we do now. But back when I started, you know, back when I didn't know what I was doing, or I didn't know anything about aeration. That is, I would just be stuck, you know, 
double, triple cutting these lawns, trying to get them shorter and not charging them more, of course, because I didn't know any better. I'm just like, what the heck? So not only was I spending more time and more work to cut these people's lawns shorter, but then I missed out on all of the revenue for another two to three weeks. And I wasn't getting any of the, and some other company was getting the aeration and seeding revenue. And I'm like, what the heck? This makes zero sense. I should be doing the aeration and seeding so I can at least get something out of it. Because even though I will still be skipping uh, mowing for two to three weeks, you know, I might miss $100, $150 of mowing revenue. I will still be getting $250 to $300 of aeration and seeding revenue. So, you know, you subtract $150 from that, we're still making, you know, 150, you know, whatever, uh, out of that. So we're still making something while still skipping mowing the lawn. And I don't have to do as much work mowing the lawn in preparation prior because we're not doing it all right before we're working our way down a couple weeks prior. So those are some things that I learned along the way and why I started aerating and seeding. Uh, now another side bonus tip here is I quickly learned to stop it, just aerating. A lot of people just want you to aerate and then they put their own seed down. The cheap, the, the cheap people do that. The people that know how difficult and labor intensive it is to aerate and they don't, you know, they don't want to, <clears throat> uh, you know, they don't want to, they don't want to put themselves through that. They also don't want to pay a lot of money to have someone else do it either, which is why they're renting it and doing it themselves in the first place. So they're just looking for like the cheapest person, you know, to do it. And that used to be me because I didn't know any better. And, you know, I thought, oh, yeah, you know, I got to walk behind aerator. Let me just get after it. Let me make this prime time, make as much money as possible. My schedule wasn't over full, like with mowing. Let's just go for it. And that was okay in the beginning. That worked. That was fine. Like that paid off my walk behind aerator in my first season because I was just taking on every, you know, within reason, like, like in the, in the general service area that I was already mowing lawns, the same neighborhoods and surrounding neighborhoods, things like that. It's not like I was driving all over town just to aerate. However, I did do that at times in the very, very beginning, which was crazy. Um, Cause you know, I mean, you taught that it's not as profitable. I mean, you're making all this extra money, quote unquote, aerating versus just mowing, but it's takes longer and it's more labor intensive, which is why you're charging more. You know, you're charging typically double or triple how much it costs to mow just to aerate that yard because it's taking you long. It's basically like you're push mowing their whole yard because most walk behind aerators are no bigger than a 30 inch or a 22 inch mower. And you're just going back and forth and that thing's dragging you all over the lawn and it takes longer. It, it just, you know, wears you out and all that stuff. And you do that all day, you know, you should be making a little bit more money or a lot more money to do that versus just mowing. Uh, uh, you know, so, and, and you should still have route density with that too, like I do with mowing and not driving all over town. So again, you live and learn there, but in, in the beginning I was just going all over the place and I just, I've just gotten away from that because it's just, there's, you know, I, I have no control over a lot of the variables, right? You know, they're just calling you, Hey, can you do this? What's the quote? Even if I give them a good price and they're like, okay. And then I go do it. And there's just, I've had all the issues that I've had with aeration is from those people. You know, there's just always some issue that I get there and the sprinklers aren't flagged. Um, you know, they've got this crazy lawn that I'm not familiar with because I don't mow it or do anything to it. I've never even been there before other than quoting it or whatever. Um, you know, looking at it to give them a quote, like it, it, it just, it, it's always just been a mess. So for that and many other reasons, I just stopped doing that 
Um, and, and I also want to be as profitable as possible. So those people are not looking to pay the premium prices that I want to charge for this service. I look, and I've said this before on some social media platforms in the past, I look at aeration and seating as a premium uh, upsell, a premium service to offer. You know, Even though the state of Virginia recommends aerating, they don't recommend seating every year. I mean, that's just kind of a bonus. It's going to help, obviously, your turf but aerating is just to break up the compaction of your soil. That's that's what they're recommending every year. Um, but you add the seating on top of it, that's where you, it becomes more of a premium service. I do a really good detailed job. I've got a manual core, um, you know, aerating. I don't know what the heck it's called, a tool, you know, basically where, where you know, where you could just go around the mailboxes and corners of fences, things that you're never going to get an aerator up, up against or two, you know, without damaging something or just in general, even getting it. Cause it's just too big and bulky and you just can't, you just can't get it right up against there like that. So there's these sections that you would miss and corners and around mailboxes are typically thinner spots. Weeds usually take over in those areas cause they're thinner, uh, for various reasons. So that it's thinner, you know, in those areas. So you definitely don't want to miss those areas with aerating and seeding. You throw seed in there and it might germinate and grow, but chances are it's not going to be as successful as if you, you know, plug some holes there, uh, pull some cores. So I, I have the manual things like go around all the corners and the, the tight edges and the mailboxes or, or my guys do whatever. And, you know, we punch those holes, you know, you just slam it down to the ground and you just do that over and over again. The cores come out or you can, you know, step on it, you know, if you're, if it's a really compact area, things like that. Um, so that's very detailed. I do a good cleanup. You know, I make sure that I'm not riding back and forth all over the street and the people's driveway and sidewalk to get from place to place. And then, you know, you're getting, cause what happens is you run over all the cores with your feet, you walk, you're constantly walking on the lawn. So you're, the cores are coming out behind the machine that you're walking behind. So you end up just stepping all over the cores and a lot of them get smushed up on your feet because it's typically a little bit muddy or wet or whatever. Um, and, and, and they also get on the tires, the, uh, the tires of your aerator. So when you're walking back and forth on the, on hard surfaces and, and, and the wheels and all that, if you're not smart about it, you end up getting just mud everywhere. You get tracks and chunks and clumps everywhere. And you can try and blow that off along with, if you're seeding, uh, also you blow, make sure you clean up any seed that got on the, the hard surfaces. So it gets back in the, in the grass, you know, where it needs to be. You can do all that, but a lot of times the big chunks and clumps get so like mashed in on, on the concrete or the blacktop or whatever that it, it doesn't it doesn't blow off. So I have a ice scraper, um, like a, it's like a pick or whatever. I think it's technically called an ice scraper. I don't even remember where I got it from, but it's it's meant to break up ice. You know, when you've got in the winter, you got ice on your sidewalk or something, or maybe an icy spot on your driveway, and you know you're not shoveling it, and and you could throw salt down there. But if you want a quick a quick recovery there, you take the ice breaker, and it's just like a it, it looks like a giant um uh sh- what what is it what is the you know like like a scraper like the scrapers that we use typically like the paint scrapers and things and that we use to scrape underneath our mower decks to get all the grass out it looks like that but it's heavier duty thicker and it's got a long wooden handle you know like a like a broom handle or a rake handle and you so you can slam it down onto the ice and it's so thin and and heavy duty that it it, it just breaks it just makes all these lines all these breaks 
through the ice. So anyway, that's <laughs> I'm just trying to help you visualize the tool that I'm talking about. So I've got one of those for snow and ice, but I u- also use it. It's basically I only use it now for aeration and seeding time because I just go along, walk, you know, walk back to around the property with that thing, and I just scrape it with the blower, and I scrape up any of those clumps that just won't blow off while I'm blowing and I scrape and blow simultaneously and it's just like a seamless thing. You just walk around kind of troweling along with that scraper as you're blowing and all those clumps just blow off into the grass and now everything looks immaculate. Hey guys, the Equip Expo, formerly known as the GIE Plus Expo, will be here before you know it, October 18th through the 21st. It's a great time. I go every year. I've been going for many, many years. It's worth it so in so many ways. All of the outdoor demo areas plus the indoor showroom. Talk to all of the all of your favorite manufacturers and uh, meet new ones, find new ones, and all the networking opportunities. A lot of great events, great food, great times, great educational opportunities as well there. So go ahead and check it out. If you don't know what it is, you can click the link in the episode description there and you can check out all about it as well as register. Uh, you can use my code LCR to save 50% off at any time. But if you register before September 9th, you get the early bird discount, which means with the 50% off, it'll only be $10 per person if you use code LCR. Again, that link is in the episode description. Thanks, guys. Hope to see you there. It almost looks like you never even, you know, like did anything like like as far as from an aeration standpoint, it looks like there's no mess. Like, did they even aerate? But then you look and you see all the cores everywhere and seed and you're like, oh, wow, they did a really good clean job. So these are some details that I add to my service to keep the price high so that I can provide the value and people know they're going to get a high quality service. And by having my prices high, it weeds out all those people that I don't want. Uh, you know, the, 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 before I, before I just like decided to even stop taking those people, like my non-regular clients, I, I would, you know, still humor those folks and give them quotes, but it was always the higher prices. And, you know, I probably only had like a 20, 25% re- approval rate on that because it was, it was more than they wanted to spend. But that helped, again, like I said, help me filter those people out. And I only got the good people that, appreciate, you know, that, that knew it was a premium service and knew that by a high price, it was probably going to be a good service and whatever. So that's, that's, that, you know, that's what I did. That's what I do. I, like I said, now I don't do any of those non-clients, but all my current clients know new ones, you know, they might not know, but we've been providing some sort of service for them typically before we get to aeration and seeding season. So they should know what to expect from a quality standpoint. And typically that have no issues with the prices um, and, and it all works out. So that's, that's, that's all of that, all of the theory behind that, my tips and tricks, why I did it, how I do it, types of customers, how all that kind of stuff. Um, the only other thing that I wanted to mention before I wrap this episode up is just the types of equipment, right? Uh, you might not have a clue about aeration and seating. So, you know, this is just one more thing just to add to it. I already talked about the ice scraper that I use and a blower, obviously, you need some sort of spreader to spread the seed. It doesn't have to be anything super expensive or fancy. You can just go to Lowe's or Home Depot if you're just starting out, to be perfectly honest, and get the most inexpensive spreader that you can afford um, you know, to start out with. But you should definitely work towards getting the heavy, you know, the, the higher quality, heavy-duty commercial, like Lesco spreaders, those green ones that you probably see every Lance professional landscaper, you know, have, or maybe you've been wanting one for a while. They're like four or 500 bucks, maybe even more now. I have one. I eventually got one, but 
I'll tell you what, they last forever. I've had them for years and they never rust. You just keep hosing them down, keep them clean because they're all aluminum frame, uh, you know, nice heavy duty tires. You keep the, keep everything greased and, um, you know, it's 80 pound or hundred pound, depending on how big of a hopper you get to fill it up with grass seed and, or whatever materials you're putting down and, and it's great, you know, uh, you can adjust, you know, the spreader setting, like how, how much uh, it, it opens for you to let the material, a certain amount of material out at a time to spread, you know. Uh, so whatever spreader you can afford, it, it doesn't matter. You know, whatever, you know, every spreader pretty much works the same. They all have their own little bells and whistles. And I will say that the the thing that makes some spreaders for me better than others and, and, and what I was always trying to look for with spreaders. I just ended up just getting the Lesco spreader and it's still not where I want it to be technically. Um, my ride-on spreader sprayer, my Toro Spraymaster has a much better, closer to what I would like setup for the spreader, the hopper. I know, I think uh, Anderson maybe, I think is the brand. I've long forgotten, but I think Anderson is another green spreader, another brand, another heavy duty commercial spreader, which I think is even more expensive than the Lesco spreader, which is probably why I never got it. And 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 it's not just readily available at, you know, site one or whatever. I've never seen it anywhere in any stores. I'd probably have to go on a hunt and find a dealer, maybe in my area that does sell them or can order it or just order it online. So I just ended up just getting the Lesco spreader because they're like a dime a dozen. They're always lined up, you know, in the, in the front of the stores when, when it gets close to these different seasons for people to, you know, to buy them and see that they have them and all that. But I believe it's called Anderson and what I like about that one and what I wish more spreaders had, maybe it's a patented thing. I don't know, but it's got like a, um, the bottom of the spreader where the material goes through turns into a cone, a cone shape. So it just gets smaller and smaller and smaller and it's very smooth, meaning all the material were all the material, seed, fertilizer, whatever you're using it, uh, lime, it all works down to the the bottom of the 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 spreader hopper and you get every last granular every last seed unless it's just like stuck to the side or something uh, every last piece of material goes through there without having to do anything versus every other spreader including the lesco spreader the last little bit that you have you know say you're trying to get that last little bit of seed out or that last little more typically it's that last little bit of fertilizer or something you have measured out you know exactly how much fertilizer or whatever it is that you want to put down for this property you've got one last pass or something and and, and you just have a little bit left and it's not coming out at the rate you want it to and you have to like shake it or shake the spreader around you know bump bang it around a little bit or tip it over on its side you know so that everything kind of just slides to the area where the holes are so that it can come down because it does work its way it does have like some you know it does kind of like tear itself down to smaller area to, to a smaller section to get down to the holes, but there's still like a flat, too large of a flat space where the holes aren't, you know, like the area where the holes are, but you know, the, the material would just sit like next to the holes because there's a spot for it to sit there. And it just, that just makes no sense to me where this Anderson spreader, or at least it did once upon a time, there was no surface area for anything to just rest. It was just, everything just went right down to the holes and it just went straight on through and you got every last little bit down there. So little things like that, the more you do this stuff, the more you appreciate that stuff and, and, and it, it, you realize what a big deal it makes because it ends up just being the little things, right? You know, time is money, wasted materials, money, like you're all, it's all about being efficient. 
saving time and all that kind of stuff and getting the right amount of product down and all that stuff. So that's just one little side side note there. But in general, any spreader is going to get you what you need to get done. Spread your seed at the rate that the bag tells you based on how much you want to put down. If you don't know, ask wherever you're getting the grass seed from, unless it's Lowe's or Home Depot. If you're going to a landscape supplier like Site One, they're going to, they're very knowledgeable there and they can give you lots of tips and advice and help you out and tell you how to read the bag and all that kind of stuff. But just looking at the back of the bags, wherever you get the bags from, they all have some sort of basic instructions, have some common spreaders to tell you what setting to put it at, whether it's a number or a letter or whatever, based on how many pounds of material, in this case, seed um, per thousand square feet and all that stuff that you want to put down. So that's that. I'm not trying to have a podcast about all that stuff. Um, and then the aerators, right? You definitely, you want it, you have to have some sort of aerator. So uh, I did neglect to say that, well, in, in all that, I will say the evolution for me was I started with a walk behind aerator and now I ha- still have that walk behind aerator, which is falling apart. And I try not to use it if I absolutely, only if I absolutely have to, cause it's really, um, really cumbersome to use it, especially now that I have, and a highly efficient stand-on uh, aerator, Toro aerator, but as well as an um, aerating attachment for my Toro Multiforce. So those two things are a lot more efficient than walking behind a smaller aerator. Uh, but there's sometimes where I just, you know, like like a like a ditch, you know, like a a drainage area, like you know the yards that have it's all grass in their front yard, but it's like a a culvert or, you know, a drainage area where it's just like dips down and, you know, the, the water when it's rains really hard on that street, it just runs right along there underneath everyone's driveway, right? There's like pipes, you know, that go underneath concrete, you know, pipes go underneath everyone's driveway and the water just kind of works its way all the way down. The street's kind of graded, I guess, that way. And all the water runs down to wherever it goes, a creek or, uh, you know, a sewer drainage or whatever, somewhere away from all of the houses out of that neighborhood, out of the street. So there's still grass in there, a lot of grass in most cases. So, you, you know, people still want that to be aerated and seeded. Otherwise, it's going to just kind of erode from all the water over time. So you want to patch that up every year. So it's kind of hard to get a machine, any any big like ride-on machines down in there without potentially getting stuck or getting jammed up or whatever. So the walk-behind aer- aerators still work for that. So there's still a place for the walk-behind aerators, but they are super exhausting and cumbersome. There are some better ones out there nowadays that are hydraulic so that you can steer them without having to manhandle them like a, you know, traditional 22 inch or 21 inch push mower, but like three times the weight, um, and a lot more powerful and faster. And they just drag you around as the cores are just, you know, running through the ground and just drag, you know, it just, it's super (laughs) forceful. You know, you don't get stuck a whole lot with an aerator. I mean, you can, you can be in a mud pit and just dig your way right up a hill out of it with that aerator. If it's going, you know, if the cores, tines are going deep enough down into the ground, you know, you probably tear some stuff up in the process, but you, you, you won't be stuck. You'll get yourself unstuck for sure. Um, but at any rate, um, like that happens a lot actually with the stand on aerator cause it's so big and heavy and you'll get into some soft areas where people overwatered or it's just been raining a lot and it's just, it's just inevitable this time, that time of year 
that, you know, you'll, you'll start getting stuck and you have to like the, you know, the tires on aerators typically aren't that big, the ride on aerators and so on. So you just got to push, you got to put the, engage the, the, the tines and get yourself out of that spot. Again, you might, you know, dig some stuff up. You can just go back and put everything back in its place, put some extra seed down, you're, you're good to go. But um, my whole point is them tines really get you out of there. So the walk behind aerators, um, are really are really uh, the traditional thing. They're really cumbersome, but the newer ones with uh, speed control and steerable, hydraulically lifting and lowering. If you know, you know. Not going to get into that. You just have to learn from experience. <laughs> if you don't know, um, but so there's a lot of different options there. Obviously, those are a lot cheaper than a, a stand-on aerator. Um, uh, getting an attachment for a mower if you have a ride-on sit down or stand on mower front attachment or a rear, uh, you know, attachment that you can pull behind you. There's many of those versions of those things. Those are a lot cheaper than everything. Those are cheaper than a walk behind aerator and all that. So that's probably the most affordable rate to go. If you have a machine that you can do that with, but again, you can't get into some of those smaller areas and those ditches and stuff like that. So the walk behind, it's always good to still have a walk behind aerator, my goal is to just get a a walk behind aerator to replace the one that I have because it's so bad and and I just I can't stand using it. Um, but I have still had to use it like at least once or twice every year still. But that was my go to aerator. Um, I started with that, and a neighbor of one of my clients, mowing clients, asked me one day, like a couple years into my business, right when I was thinking about starting aeration. Um, I think I might have re- was renting an aerator at that point. I think I had gone through a season renting an aerator and leading up to the next season, it might have been in the summer or whatever it was. It wasn't aeration season yet, but the neighbor asked me if I wanted to buy his used aerator. He said, I guess a lot of the neighbors, which I've heard this a lot over the years, neighbors will get together and like put money in on an aerator because they're thousands of dollars. You know, they're not cheap. I mean, it's not like getting a $10,000 ride-on mower or something, but it's not like getting a, a four or $500 push mower either residential, you know, push mower or trimmer or blower. It's, it's thousands of dollars, you know, for, for a, a decent walk behind aerator. Um, so, Neighbors will go in on it and then they'll just share it. The, the whole aeration season, you know, like one neighbor will use it, then they'll give it to the next neighbor and next neighbor, and next, however many people are involved. And, and then they put it, someone's in, responsible for, you know, cleaning it and keeping it in the garage and that's it. So I've heard that a lot late, I uh, heard that a lot over the years. And then that's, that's what happened here. But he said everyone moved away and he was the only one still, you know, it was paid off or whatever and no one really cared anymore. But everyone moved and he was the only one left with it. He was the only one left in the neighborhood and had the aerator and never used it anymore and didn't want to use it. He was getting too old and all that. And I guess he saw me, young guy at the time. I mean, I'm still young, but I was younger, you know, seven, eight years ago. I was just a young buck hustling and grinding, getting after it. And he asked me if I wanted to buy it from him, you know, and it was like a used, used they bought it from a rental place that was, you know, every so often rental places sell their equipment to replace it with new equipment before it completely falls apart, you know, because they, they don't want to rent stuff that's going to break all the time to their customers. So when it starts to get to that, whatever their time frame is, whatever their criteria is, once it meets that, it's like, all right, let's try and sell this stuff off as is, get rid of it. And then we get new stuff and we keep the cycle going. You can get some good deals from some stuff sometimes. Um, 
you know, as long as it's not, as long as it's not junk, you know, they say it's not, but I bought some hedge trimmers once from a rental place and they just fell apart immediately. Like not fell apart. Like, you know, like pieces came off. It just stopped working. Certain things stopped working. I forgot even what, what happened. Cause it was literally the same day that I got it. And I was so frustrated. I was like, I don't want anything to do with this. This was a bad idea it says as is like, so I'm just screwed. Like what the heck? And I, I just went back and like kind of freaked out on them. It was like, what the heck? You sold me something that was broken. Like I couldn't even trim a single shrub with this. As soon as I tried to use it, it, it just started getting mess. It was just messing up and all these problems. I had no idea. I guess I should have tested it before or whatever. And I guess the guy felt bad and didn't realize that, you know, that it was like that. So he took it back, gave the money back and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But so again, you know, it, it, it's one of those things. It's not always a sure thing. You gotta, you gotta vet that stuff. But these people got the aerator, which was already discounted and used and beat up from people renting it all the time. And then, and then he was trying to give it to me. So this might give you a clue as to why I don't even want to use this aerator any, anymore because when I got it, it was okay, but it was still, you know, <laughs> it was still a used, used um, aerator, but I got a really good deal on it. I, maybe like 300 bucks or something, he he, he said uh, for it, you know, I, it was it was beautiful. You know, I wrote a check for 300 bucks, gave it to him. And I mean, that was a lot of money. <laughs> I said, that's beautiful. At the time, that was a lot of money, you know. I mean, I'm like over here, just like hustling, solo guy, trying to just grow my business and do the best I could. And I didn't have any extra money, so 300 bucks was something. I had to talk to my wife about it. We had a whole, whole plan and how to pay it back and everything. It's like, man, how far we've come. Not to say that you know, I'm not still cautious with my money, but I'm, you know, it. I'm over here like a $300, you know, writing a check for a $300 used, double used aerator, you know, twice baked aerator or whatever. And I'm just like, man, you know, and now I'm over here laboring over, you know, a $10,000 mower or something. Like It's like two totally different things, but it's all relative because of, you know, how far I've come and where my business is at and all that. Um, I ain't writing a $10,000 check, that's for sure. So there's a big difference there. So it was kind of good to be able to write a check for 300 bucks and not have to worry about like, being in debt or something for 300 bucks, but we've all been there, done that. So anyway, I, then I used the heck out of that aerator. Cause it's all I had. I'm like, well, I don't have to rent anything, which is a headache in and of itself to time that properly. I mean, everyone and their mother is trying to rent aerators during aeration season. So unless you do it well in advance and you just pay for like a week's worth of renting and try and get as many yards aerated as possible in that week or whatever, it's really difficult to schedule around finding, finding, you know, an available aerator and scheduling aerations around that. Because again, you, you've got to make sure the lawn's cut properly, short enough, and the, the sprinklers are flagged. There's, there's a lot of variables. It's not like you can just show up to a yard, like, like if you were like to mow it, you could just show up and mow someone's yard, you know, worst case scenario, people are sitting outside or they're playing in the yard and they're like, Oh, Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I'm coming on an off day or whatever. I'm just trying to get everything done. And you know, they, they, they have to just move their stuff or jump in the house for a little while until you're done. It's not like, you know, that, that, that's a totally, a totally different thing. You can't just do that with aeration, just show up and just start aerating someone's yard, you know, and it's hasn't been mowed in a couple of weeks and none of the sprinklers are marked. And that's just a, a mess waiting to happen on so many levels. Um, so, you know, you, you don't, you can't do that. You have to plan this stuff. So it's really hard to do that and 
rent an aerator. So, uh, but again, it, you do what you got to do when you're first starting out. I've, I've been there, done that. But then I, that's why I was so excited to get this aerator because now I had an aerator so I could aerate whenever I wanted. I could just keep it on my trailer and just, just go about my day. And when we got to it, we got to it, you know, like when, when it was time to aerate a particular yard on the route, I could just do it. You know, I didn't have to worry about all these variables. You know, I could just worry about the planning, making sure it's flagged and mowed, and then I could just aerate it whenever. I didn't have to worry about now trying to coordinate getting an aerator rented. So I was really excited about it, but it was old and it was double used and I used it a ton after that. And it just, it didn't really, like I said, work the best to begin with. And it just got worse over time. So I remember bringing it to my equipment dealer and he was looking at it. He was like, I would get rid of this as soon as possible. This, this is not fixable. This thing is just, it's, it's dying a a slow death, you know, whatever else like, Oh, cool. So, but I still keep it, like I said, as an emergency backup. But so the evolution was that, and then I got a stand on aerator. I think that was the second thing, second major piece of equipment after my grandstand multi uh, Toro grandstand, stand on mower that I um, financed through my sister-in-law and I paid her back. She just put it on her card and then I paid her back instead of financing it through the dealership or the bank. Cause we were trying to, I know I probably said this before for a lot of you, but <clears throat> listening that was, we were trying to finance a house or, you know, get a mortgage. So we didn't want to mess with our credit. So I didn't want to like apply for any credit and totally mess up the chances of being approved for a house. So my sister-in-law was gracious enough to, to pay for it. And I just paid her back and, in, in, in the, you know, over, over a year, it, uh, in, in within a year, geez, sorry, by the next season, I was able to pay it off, um, the, the, the mower. So then, then I fought, but this was actually technically the first thing I financed is what I'm trying to say <laughs> is, um, the stand on aerator. So I got a stand on aerator and then it was like a game changer. I was like, Holy cow, man, I'm flying through yards, not even breaking a sweat. They just got to walk around with the spreader after boom, good to go. Now I have a ride on spreader sprayer also, which is another game changer. So I can get all my accounts done as I keep growing and growing and get them done faster, less stopping and refilling, you know, backpack sprayers. Cause I'm using a ride on sprayer with bigger tanks and so much more efficient to get the right product down and, you know, calibrated perfectly. It's not about how fast I'm walking and all that nonsense. Um, it's the speed of the machine that you have dialed in and programmed and all that stuff. Same thing with the spreader. Don't have to worry about walking up hills and I got a lot of hilly yards, so I don't have to worry about that, you know, uh, and, and the spread rate and all that kind of stuff. It's just boom. You know, I just ride around with, on the machine spreading or spraying and it's, it's gold, you know, just move on to the next one, next one, next one. I get a lot more done in a day with a lot less energy spent. So I'm fresh and ready for the next day. So uh, I don't, I did try to spread seed with that uh, one year, but it, I just didn't really like how it went for some reason because of, you know, I, I said that, that I do like the shape of that hopper. Like it does have a better tiered level where there's not as much material sitting at the bottom, not going through the holes as, as some of the other spreaders I've had. But for some reason, when it comes to the seed, it just doesn't work as well. Like when it comes to fertilizer and all that, it works great. Uh, it works even better than the Lesco spreader in that respect. But with the seed, for some reason, I think because it's just lighter and whatever, it just it doesn't, doesn't work as well. Like I have to stop and refill it so that there's more weight of more quantity of seed in the hopper more fr- frequently 
and that's kind of annoying. Like, you know, with, with, with the uh, Lesco spreader, I can fill the whole thing up, pretty much spread the, at least the whole front yard or the whole backyard, you know, if not the entire property with the Lesco spreader with just one fill up versus having to stop multiple times with the ride on uh, spreader sprayer. So again, pros and cons to everything, but that's a huge game changer. All these things are level up events as the business grows, as you save up some money, as you're able to finance some things, you know, pay off, pay off the, uh, the, the, the stand on aerator. Okay. What's the next thing I'm going to finance to grow my business to the next level. There's always something that I'm, that I'm paying back, you know, so that I can continue to make more money with more equipment. You know, you can just only do so much with, 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 with so much, you know, you're always going to have to keep leveling up. You're going to have to increase your staffing, increase your equipment, get another truck, obviously get more clients. As you get more clients, that's when you're going to need to increase these things. You know, you, you can't do, you, you know, you're always hit ceilings where you can only, you can't break through that ceiling. There's only so many hours in the day, only so much equipment you have until you increase time with people and increase, um, you know, more work with more equipment, things like that, whatever. So you just got to do it strategically, you know, don't, don't put yourself in, in this huge hole of debt and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I know a lot of people are debt free, but as Marvin Salcedo said in the previous uh, episodes um, of the, of my podcast here, it's, it's slow, it's slow growth. So if you're fine with that, then that's fine. But if you need to make money fast, if you have bills to pay, you want to get a mortgage or you, you know, you're, you have a growing family, whatever the deal is, trying to put your kids through college like me or help put them through college, all that stuff. Like, you know, you, you don't have time to, you know, save up for five years to get your next big piece of equipment that will then help you, you know, get close to doubling your workload or something, you know, like, and, and double your revenue or get close to it. Like, I don't have time for that. A lot of people don't have time for that. So um, I, I am growing slower than some, but not, you know, at a snail's pace, uh, because I'm not doing it completely debt free and I'm making big decisions, uh, every year to try and continue the growth at a manageable level, but not at a snail's pace at, at, at a good pace. So I can keep financially supporting my family. Um, so so that's all that. So that was my evolution. Like I said, start out with the walk behind uh, aerator and work my way up through there. There's lots of different variables all through there. I, I said I have an attachment, the Toro uh, Multiforce aerator attachment as well. So I've got a plethora of, of things now. I've got the stand-on aerator, an aerating attachment, and still have that walk behind aerator um, all in my one of my storage units that I have, you know, to use so we can get more stuff done faster. You know, multiple people can aerate at the same time and so on and so forth. Um, we can kind of get every yard, get through the gate, small gates, get through the, you know, the hills, the tight areas, the ditches, all that stuff. Very versatile. So I can service all of my clients um, the best way possible, you know, have a, a walk behind Lesco spreader. And then I have my ride on spreader sprayer. So again, all of that stuff, has come in time over the last eight years, you know, think year two maybe was when I started renting an aerator and, and realized I need to get in the aeration game. Plus I really like the outcome. You know, I really like watching these lawns rehabilitate, you know, whether, whether it's like a brand new section, you know, of lawn that we're renovating and, and putting seed down, aerating and seeding, or, you know, like it's dead spots, um, bare spots, thin spots, things like that. 
it's great to watch that stuff fill back in with the sea and you feel a sense of accomplishment. Now you have more grass to cut, right? It's some job security and you keep it all in house instead of having someone else do it. So, but you definitely got to have the right equipment. You got to know what you're doing. I spewed a whole lot of nuggets throughout this hour and 16 minute episode and, and counting. Um, so hopefully uh, you got something out of, out of that. If you are already aerating and seeding, hopefully I added some value there. If, if you don't, you know, aren't doing, haven't done it yet, then I, I definitely added some value. You might want to listen to this again, if that's the case, because I just kind of just let it all out there, you know, diarrhea of the mouth there, as some people say. So a lot, I've been aerating for like six or seven years now. So it seems like an eternity when, uh, when it comes to aerating, if you know, you know, um, but uh, it's, it's all about planning and knowing, you know, uh, pricing properly and just all the things that I said, just, just, just do it the right way and be prepared. Uh, and it's a very, very profitable um, service. So if you do it the right way um, and, and you don't hopefully wear yourself out as much if you do it the right way as well. So that's all I got <laughs> an hour plus. That's all I got for you guys today for this episode here um, on aeration and seating. Thank you guys for listening. And as always, thank you to the Toro company for sponsoring the LCR media podcast until the next episode. This is a lawn care rookie signing off. This has been an LCR Media and Mr. Producer production. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.